Grab your Bibles, everybody. Grab your Bible. And I just want to encourage you, bring a Bible, bring a notebook, bring something you can write in, take notes in, a Bible you can scribble in, uh, and make some notes as we go. Turn with me to Malachi chapter 3 today, Malachi chapter 3. Uh, and we're in a series called Blessed, Blessed. And I'm going to read in just a minute. I told you last week um, that when God had given our church really a word, there's someone that had a, a reputation of hearing God and being close to God. God had given a, given a word to our church um, about uh, that the people of Pathway would be a blessed people. And I'm going to read you one of the verses that God used to bring that word um, to us. And, and so I, it's in today's message. But, but I, am, I just want to say, and I told you last week, that I needed to apologize because while I've been faithful to teach about a lot of things, I really have not taught about finances in probably six or seven years. And that's probably the time we needed to talk about finances the most, honestly, because God has a plan to prosper you and to bless you financially uh, and to take care of you. And you need to know that just like God has a plan for your relationships and God has a purpose and a plan for your life and, and the different aspects of your life, God has a plan for you financially. And so I, I apologize for that, but we're setting the record straight. And so today we're in a series called Blessed. And so we're going to stand in just a minute and read from God's Word. I, I want to explain how we get to Malachi and just and then also just know this. When we stand, we're going to read God's Word and then we're going to pray. And today when we pray, we're definitely going to pray for Israel together um, for these horrible terrorist attacks from uh, Hamas and, and uh, Hezbollah and who are attacking Israel and hundreds of lives uh, already lost. And it's, it's just horrific and unprovoked and unprecedented. And we need to stand. The Bible says we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem for, for Israel and that the nation that stands with Israel is blessed. And so we also need to pray for our leaders that they will continue. They say they're standing with Israel. We want them to continue to stand with Israel. Amen. All right, so Malachi chapter 3. So real quick, let me catch you up. So most people, how many have ever heard of King Nebuchadnezzar? Right, King Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, most people have. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's King Nebi. Okay, everybody got it? Um, so in about 605 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, conquers the, God's people, Israel. And in three different waves, he starts taking the people of Israel captive into the king of Babylon, the captivity, if you will, leading them into exile, right? And so if you, if you fast forward then to, that was 605, so about five, it's, uh, 539 B.C., Cyrus, King Cyrus, the king of Persia, conquers Babylon, and in 538, he frees the Jews and says, you can go back. Well, they don't really hurry back, and about 80 years later, uh, the next king of, of Persia, King Artaxerxes, actually tells Ezra, hey, why don't you take some of Israel and take them back to God's, you know, to, to their land? And so Ezra leads some people, and, and there's kind of a couple of waves. And then most people, how many have heard of Nehemiah? Nehemiah rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem. That's in 445 B.C. So still, some time has passed, and Nehemiah comes back. Um, the temple's been rebuilt, but the walls of Jerusalem are torn down, and he rebuilds the walls in 52 days. That's in 445 B.C. Nehemiah then governs over uh, Judea for... 12 years, we know that from the Bible. He's the governor 12 years. And then he goes back um, to Babylon because he, he had to, right? And, and so when he goes back, that puts it, you know, roughly about 433 
433 BC, uh, man, God's people just go off the rails. You know, how many have ever read the Old Testament and you realize God people, they just struggled to do good, you know, like do good. No, we can't. <laughs> and so, um, so they're, they're just really, they're not honoring God. They kind of despise the temple. They're not giving to God what he's asked them to do. They're not doing, they're, they're divorcing their, their faithful wives. They're marrying pagans. They're worshiping idols. I mean, things have gone off the rails. And to that, Malachi writes, and really his, his message is, return to me. Like, I want you to return to me. And so um, that's really what gets us to Malachi chapter 3. So if you'll stand, we're going to read uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 12 together. Um, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord. So I just want to say, and I'll say this again, but who's talking? not a trick question. He just said, I am the Lord. Who's talking? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's the Lord. <laughs> right? I, am the, I just want to make that point. Um, when it comes to Malachi, uh, there's, there is a theological debate on whether it was a man named Malachi, whether Malachi was his title because it means God's messenger, could have possibly been Ezra writing as God's messenger. There are a lot of theories. But what everyone has agreed on, it is the word of the Lord given to the people of God. And in verse 6, he says, I am the Lord. So who's talking? God. And then he says, I do not change. I do not change. So we start right away with it. what is known doctrinally as the immutability of God, meaning God doesn't change. He cannot get better and he cannot get worse. If he could get better, he, he wouldn't be God. If he could get worse, he wouldn't be God. By the way, this is good because let me help you with something. He can't offer you more mercy today than yesterday or, or less mercy today than yesterday. He cannot love you more today than he did yesterday and he cannot love you less today than he did yesterday. He is God. He is immutable. He does not change. And he says, I don't change. Therefore, you're not consumed. Everybody said, in other words, I'm still merciful and good. Everybody say, amen, praise the Lord. Right? Verse 7, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Let me tell you what that word ordinances mean. Most people know, but the root word of ordinances is what? Ordinary. And if you put the, the um, A-N-C-E on it, then it becomes a principle so he's saying, you, Israel, have gone away from my ordinary principles of behavior. Okay, that's what he's saying. In other words, he's about to talk about what the Bible calls the tithe. And he says it's an ordinary principle of behavior. In other words, my children do this. That's ordinary. Just like it may be ordinary for your children to live at your house and, and spend your money and, <laughs> and occasionally make up their beds or whatever the case may be. He's like, it is ordinary for my, just like it is ordinary for us to go 55 when the speed limit says 55 or if the city has a different ordinance that it imposes, it is ordinary for us to follow that. He said these are ordinary principles of behavior. The tithe is the ordinary principle of behavior. And, and he says this, but you haven't kept them. And he says, but if you'll return to me, I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. There it is again. God's talking. But you said, in what way will we return? And he said, I'm so glad you asked. And he answers the question with a question. He says this. They said, how do we return to you? And he says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Now, I'm going to talk about what that means at the end. Don't let me forget. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. Verse 9 says, you are cursed with a curse. By the way, you can study it, but this is not God cursing you. 
I want you to know, just as I said a little bit earlier, if you don't tithe, if you don't give, you're not a bad person. God's not out to get you. He doesn't love you less. You don't mean less to God. You don't mean less to us. God has not put a curse on people. Jesus came to remove us from the curse, but the way we're removed from the curse is trusting him. And he's saying, because you haven't trusted me financially, your finances are under a curse. And I've given you a system to remove them from the curse, but you have to trust me. Does everybody understand? So he says, you're cursed with a curse. He doesn't say, I have cursed you. I've heard people preach that. God doesn't curse people. He paid an extraordinary price to remove the curse from us. For you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Then verse 10, he says, bring all the tithes. We're going to talk about what that is. Into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. One of the things I love about hearing about our church is people have told me many times, Pastor, I love pathway because I get fed there. I get fed there. And we have great spiritual food. Right now, you're enjoying spiritual food. If you're watching online, you're enjoying spiritual food. Our children are enjoying spiritual food, not just goldfish, but someone's preaching the gospel to them. Wednesday nights, our students get spiritual food. And all of that takes place because the tithe. So I don't want you to feel bad if you don't give. But do understand, the reason there is food in God's house is because somebody does. Somebody tithes. Somebody gives. Right? And, and I want to say this, just food for thought. Just food for thought. Have you ever thought about, wouldn't it be strange to go into a really nice restaurant and enjoy really good food and then just walk out and say, you know, I don't believe I'm supposed to pay someone else's. Like, we would never do that. One, one reason is we'd get arrested, <laughs> right? But we, we would never do that. But yet, all across, in churches all over the world, people do that. People really do that. They say, this is, this is good food, and I'm glad somebody, you know, is paying for it, you know. But he says, the reason there's food in his house, because the, the storehouse, by the way, is God's house. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, now, this is where it gets so good, y'all, so good. He said, and try me. Some, some, some uh, versions say test and some say prove. All of those are correct. But he says, I want you to test me in this, that I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing. There will not be room enough to receive. How many would love God just to pour out blessing till you had no more room? Wouldn't that be nice? Sign me up. He said this, that there wouldn't be room to receive. And then verse 11, and I'll rebuke the devourer. How many would like God to sit on your front porch and rebuke the devil? Keep him away from your house. Wouldn't that be good? Well, he says that he will. I'll rebuke the, the devourer for your sakes so that uh, he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit uh, for you in the field. In other words, I'll rebuke the devourer so your car doesn't break down, your dishwasher doesn't die. Says the Lord of hosts, and this was the verse that, that I pray over you. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Who said it? Says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray over God's word. I call this message, by the way, when God says, test me. When God says, test me. Let's pray and let's also pray for Israel. God, thank you so much for your word. We have gathered in your presence. And God, I just pray that you would speak to us clearly today as we lean in. God, let us open our ears, yes, but let us open our hearts to receive. 
And God, today we do pray for Israel. We stand with Israel. God, we pray for supernatural protection, God, over the country of Israel, over the people of Israel. We pray for wisdom, God, for the prime minister and all the, all the leaders, God, all the military forces. God, we pray for wisdom and grace and strength and courage. And God, we just pray against these horrible attacks. And God, we pray, even like you did in, the, in, in your word, where you said you confuse the enemy, and if need be, they even turned in on each other. God, we just pray there would be confusion in Hamas and Hezbollah, just absolute confusion and chaos. And God, that you would supernaturally move and protect your people, your elect. In the name of Jesus, we pray over them, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Thank you so much for standing in God's house. When God says, test me. When God says, Test me. We just read a lot of verses. What's interesting to me about the Bible, and most people know this, most people, if if they were to be asked, is it a good thing to test God? How many would say, no, it's not a good thing? We know Israel tested God, and it got them stuck in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Like, I don't want to be stuck in the wilderness for 40 years, God. I'm not about to test you at all. But yet there's this one place in Malachi chapter 3, And I just want to point out again, just want to point out again, that it's God speaking, and God says, test me. I want to call this message, a double dog dare you. That's what I want to call it. It just didn't sound, I don't know, as grown up, but I really want to call it a double dog dare you. But I think that's what God's saying. He's like, hey, I want you, I want you to test me. So today I want to talk about this test. I want to talk about what it is and what it means. But in doing that, I also want to help people understand because I hear some things sometimes as a pastor. And I think it's interesting when I hear those things because I'm like, I can tell, and I don't, please, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but many of you, maybe you're in business or you work for a company. You can tell when people are talking about your business, but they don't know it. Have you ever had like, you know, maybe you run, you know, a, a, you know whatever the company may be or you, you, you're in banking or you're a lawyer, teacher, whatever, and people talk to you about the things and you're like, oh, you know, they know a little bit, but they, unfortunately, they didn't get the same training. They didn't pass the same class. You know, they don't have the same experience. Sometimes as a pastor, I feel that way when people inform me about things. And not that I know everything, please trust me, I do not. But I've had people tell me, you know, well, Pastor, tithing is not in the Bible. And I'm like, wait a second, not in the Bible? Well, it's not in the New Testament. Really? Interesting. We'll, we'll get back to this in a minute, but it is, and I'll tell you how many times and where. Um, and I also will hear people say things like, well, you know, tithing was under the law, and we're no longer under the law. And so I want to talk about some of those things today because I want you whatever you and the Lord work out in your life, 
however you choose to trust him and whether you ever put God to the test in this area or not, I want you to know the truth about it. So I, three things that I want you to understand today, but let me explain what the tithe is and we'll come back to this. I'll say it a couple of times because a lot of people in church today haven't been taught or don't know what this is. And if you remember, this series actually came from, I was praying for you and blessing your finances and praying God would bless your finances. In fact, we were praying over it together on a Monday at Monday prayer, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, it won't do any good to pray that I'll bless them if you won't teach them what my word says about it. And I just knew then this is what we had to do, and that's a few months ago, and this is how we got here. But three things, I actually have three points today, crazy, three points, write these down, and the first one is this, and this is where we have to start, is that God established the tithe. God established the tithe. I want you to understand, we were just reading the Word of God together. We were reading the Word of God together, and what we said was that several times as we read, it says, I the Lord, you know, and then it says, says the Lord of hosts, and says the Almighty. And it's three or four different times in the text that, that God clarifies, this is not Malachi talking, this is me. And I want you to understand that God is the one that instituted and established the tithe. Now, one of the things that I heard, as I alluded to just a minute ago, or I've heard many times is, well, pastor, you know, tithing is under the law and we are now under grace. So tithing is no more to which I lovingly and humbly responded. What about murder? They looked at me, well, murder's still wrong. Wait a second. No, no, no. You said if it's under the law, we're now under grace. And not only that, not only is murder under the law, it's one of the big 10. It made God's top 10 list. You know what I'm saying? With adultery. Are you telling me we can commit adultery now? Because we're not under the law anymore. How about this? Can I come to your house and take all your stuff just because I want it? Because stealing was under the law. And praise be to the name of the Lord who has freed us from the law. See, the problem is a lot of people know, and, and I don't, this is why, there, and there are some good, I, I, I need to say this, sometimes on social media there's some wonderful men and women of God who rightly teach the Word of God, and they'll put good clips. In fact, I do it. You can follow me on social media if you want to. Um, in fact, you probably should so we can be friends, and you should probably follow all the church's social media so you know what's going on. Uh, there's our commercial. But anyways, um, but unfortunately a lot of people will grab and, and I don't mean this in a bad way, please hear what I'm saying, they'll grab certain things that satisfy their flesh and believe it instead of actually seeking out the truth. And there's a lot of horrible theology that is put out on social media. There's good, but there's bad. And sometimes people hear things like, well, tithing's under law, we're not under law, praise God, I don't have to tithe. And your flesh loves that. And you don't even understand that you're missing out on tremendous blessing and opportunity because you, you went with something that made your flesh happy but not God happy. And so this is why it's important we study the Word of God. So what I want to actually show you, and, like, and specifically when we're talking about the law, there, let me ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Was murder wrong before the law? Everybody say yes. Have you, you remember the story Cain and Abel? It seems to me Cain got in some big trouble for killing Abel, right? So was Myrtle, Myr, Myrtle, Myrtle, I don't know who Myrtle is. I don't know where she's at in the Bible, fourth book of Myrtle. But anyways, was murder wrong before the law? Yes. 
did the law say, don't, don't kill? Thou shalt not kill, right? Yes. Let me ask you another question. Is murder wrong after the law? In fact, Jesus even goes farther. He said, you know, the law says you shouldn't kill. I tell you, don't take someone's happiness. That's, that's how serious. Grace, by the way, I don't know if you know this. Grace is always, honestly, requires more of us than the law. And here's why. Because grace requires our heart to be right, not just our behavior. So, so we've, we've determined murder was wrong before the law, during the law, and after the law, right? Are you with me? Well, what about tithing? Well, if something could be wrong before the law, wrong in the law, and wrong after the law, could it be possible something could be right before the law and then be ratified by the law but still be right after the law? Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. So let me show you really quickly. Let me show you... Um, Tithing before the law, in the law, and after the law, right? By the way, to the person that said tithing was not in the Bible, it is in the Bible 41 times, and eight of those are in the New Testament. Less than half of those have to do with the law at all. And it is quoted by Jesus, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute. And by the way, when people say, well, Malachi, the book of Malachi is in the Old Testament. Thank you, Bible scholar. I appreciate that. I had no clue. Um, do you understand Jesus quoted from the book of Malachi? So before you tell me Malachi is irrelevant, you need to check with Jesus because he quoted it as Scripture in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Amen? Just so we're hanging together. So tithing, was it in the law? Was it before the law? Yeah, Genesis 14. So Genesis 14, Abraham had gone to war. He had won. He'd come back with the spoils, and he gives a tenth. So let's read that. This, By the way, this is, we'll just use round numbers. This is 500 years before the law. 500 years before the law. Genesis, by the way, this is Abraham, who is our example. Genesis 14, 18. And Melchizedek, who, let me time out, most people believe is a Christophany, meaning Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. So he is either a type of Christ or this is actually Jesus. Theologians are, de- are debate, you know, divided on that a little bit. Most people believe it's a Christophany. The reason is because Hebrews, and we're going to read it, Hebrews references Melchizedek and says he didn't have a genealogy that's of the earth. So it's a pretty good clue. Well, if he had no mama and daddy that's human. <laughs> okay. These are the jokes, people. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Also, he serves, what is bread and wine? Communion. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, God, uh, God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram, now that's Abraham before God changed his name. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Gave him a tenth of everything. Genesis 28, 22. This is... Uh, Jacob, and this you could say roughly 400 years before the law, Genesis 28, 22. And this is when Jacob is running. He has this incredible dream, this encounter with God uh, at a place called Bethel. He names it the house of God. And then he says this, and, and this stone he set up as an altar, which I've set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a full tenth. So this is Jacob 400 years before the law. By the way, I'm not going to read all 41 verses about tithing in the Bible, but I want to show you that's before the law. What about during the law? Leviticus 27.30 says, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. 
It is holy to the Lord. So there it is in the law. By the way, did you notice it said the tithe is the Lord's? So I don't have time to teach this, but understand, according to the Bible, you can't give a tithe. You, in fact, you can read them all the way through. No one ever gave a tithe. You bring it or you return it. Those are the verbs used, but you never give it. Do you know why? Because the tithe is not yours. It is God's, right? How, how, how silly would it be? If I came, you came to me and said, Pastor, could I borrow your truck? And I said, sure. And I gave you the keys. And you, you know, I don't know, you know, usually if you have to move, if you have a truck and people have to move, you get famous. Uh, anyways, um, so you move what you have to move. And then you come back to me with my truck and you hand me the keys. You say, Pastor, you know, I've been praying about it. And I'd like to give you this truck. Well, that would be stupid, wouldn't it? Because I'd be like, it's my truck. It's registered in my name. Like I have the title. I pay the insurance. It's my truck. No, Pastor, please receive this as unto the Lord. Just let it bless you, Pastor. It's my truck. So you can't give something that doesn't belong to you, but you can return it and you can bring it. And so that's in the law. What about after law? Hebrews 7 verse 5. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood have, have, have a commandment to receive tithes. By the way, we said God established the tithe. Didn't we say that? This is what we're seeing. I mean, um, Abraham was about uh, 500 years before the law. So the late dates of Abraham were around 1900 B.C. Uh, so this is about 4,000 years ago, right, roughly. Um, so... God made a commandment um, 4,000 years ago. What, back up, that's the wrong date. The law is 1,400. All right, y'all do the math. 3,500 years. We'll do that for simple math. 3,500 years ago, God said, um, I want my Levites to receive a tithe. The reason I say that is because today, when I talk about tithing, it's not Pastor Marty's idea. This is 3,500 years ago, God had an idea. God instituted something that he wanted to be a blessing for you. And he said, this is why I want pastors to teach on giving and it's, so this is not a teaching I, I just want you to understand teaching on giving is not a new thing pastor marty came up with or any other pastor came up with it's about 3500 years old are you with me okay so he said uh who received the priesthood i've commanded them to receive tithes for the people according to the law that is from their brethren though they have come from the loins of abraham but by the way this is in the new testament right we're reading in hebrews but he whose genealogy is not derived from them receives tithes from Abraham. So this is talking about Melchizedek. In fact, it references his name in the chapter. You can go read the whole chapter if you want to. I'm just taking the point, uh, a section of it so you know what's going on. But his gene genealogy is not derived from men. That's why we think Melchizedek was a Christophany. He received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. So what he's, he's talking to a Jewish audience, and what he's trying to make the point of is that this Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. So he's, he's trying to make a point. And so that is why Abraham tied to him, and that is why he had the power to bless Abraham, because this man was greater. Are you with me? So there's, there is tied before the law, in the law, and after the law. Here's a question. If Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, um, who died for you, paid for your sin, carried your cross, was crucified, humiliated, tortured, put to death, 
laid in a tomb, resurrected. If Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, said you should tithe, my question is this, would you do it? Matthew 23, 23. Here's what Jesus says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Do you understand the context of what Jesus just said? You ought to. That's another way to say you should. So Jesus just said you should tithe. That's what he just said. The context is, he said, these people are so religious, these Pharisees, they're so religious about their tithe, they're tithing all the way down to their barley, their basil, and their cinnamon. And here's what he says, you should do that, but you need to understand just because you give the tithe doesn't get you off the hook of giving me all of your life. Because there are some people who will give God just almost all of their life, but they just can't ever win this battle of finances. But there are also some who don't have a problem with tithing, but, but they'll never serve. They still have the same temper they've always had. They, they, want, they, they struggle to give God the rest of their life. Are you with me? And what Jesus is telling them, because the Pharisees are walking around like, look at us, we tithe all the way down to our cinnamon. And Jesus is like, you should do that, but that doesn't get you off the hook of not being nice. Right? So what did Jesus say? He said, you should. So God established the tithe, and Jesus said, you should. He ratified it. So the law ratified it, but by the way, so did grace. Did you understand grace ratified tithing? Because grace is a person. And Matthew 23, 23, by the way, the word tithe is in the, in the New Testament eight times. It's technically seven because one is a repeat. Do you know who's repeated? Jesus. Because this verse is in two Gospels. In Luke Gospels. It's in Luke's Gospel too. So you need to understand God established a tithe. Here's the second thing. You need to understand that the tithe is a test. The word tithe in Hebrew, and it pretty much means the same in Greek. The word tithe in Hebrew means the tenth part. The tenth part. So, so what is that? It's, the t- it's 10%. And according to the Bible, which 10%? It's the first 10%. Meaning that if you get paid $1,000, the tithe is not just $100, but it is the first $100. I, I can't teach it right now, but I have to explain why it's the first. We'll get to that. But this is what you need to understand. According to the Bible, the tithe is the first 100 not the second, third, fourth, fifth, and it's not last, and it's not whatever's left over. While that may be good, a good motive, that is not the tithe. The tithe is the first. I'm just telling By the way, these are not Pastor Marty's rules. Did we establish that in point number one? All Pastor Marty, just like I'd tell you this is sin and this is not a sin. I don't make up the sins and I don't make up the, the rules. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says because that's my responsibility. Are you with me? So the tithe is the first 10%. Do you know what 10 in the Bible represents? It represents testing, right? Remember how I said when God says, test me? Well, you need to understand, you take a test every time you get paid. The number 10 represents tests. By the way, someone said, well, Pastor, why do you think God said, you know, 10%? Why is it a percentage? I said, because it's the same for everyone. Everybody gets to take the same test. 
If you have a billion dollars or if you have $10, the tithe is one penny on every dime. It's the same to I never forget, I had a man, uh, you know, two of the testimonies I get from people all the time about tithing is people who tithe say, Pastor, we are so blessed. Um, and we have many testimonies of that even in our church. Uh, we had a testimony just last week of a couple. They'd been in financially blessed, and uh, they you know, decided, okay, we're going to trust God, and we're going to tithe for the first time. So they tithed on a Sunday for the first time, and a few days later, their husband got a promotion and a pay increase. And people are like, well, that's a coincidence. we got a lot of coincidences in all of our history. It's not a coincidence. It's just, it's just God saying, test me. Double dog dare you. But I've had people say, you know, Pastor, I tithe and I'm so blessed. And I've also had people say, Pastor, I just can't afford to tithe. To which I understand it takes faith. Absolutely. That's why you have to give the first part. It doesn't take faith to give what's left over, but it does take faith to give the first part. I never again, there was, uh, when I was younger in ministry, I was in my 20s, uh, I was working just like we have a prayer team. I was on the prayer team. And um, <laughs> I was a young pastor, and so I was full of zeal but not much wisdom. Amen. Somebody said, not much has changed. Praise the Lord. Anyways, um, but I had a man, he was very wealthy, and he came up to me, and a very wealthy man, and he said, he said I just need prayer because I, I want to tithe, but I just can't afford it. Now, this man was very wealthy. So I thought for a minute, and I thought, is it because it's so much money? And he said, it's just so much money, I can't afford it. And I said, okay, well, let's pray. And I said, Lord, you hear this man's heart. And he wants to tithe, but he makes too much money. So, Lord, reduce his income to the level of his faith where he'd be able to trust you with the tithe. Amen. I opened up. His eyes were that big. He's like, Pastor, what was that? He's, I said, what? I was just trying to help. He said, no, I'll find another way. Praise the Lord. He said, I'll find another way. But those are testimonies that are receiving. I get it. Just like this couple. Man, we, we tithe and all of a sudden God promotion. And then, and then over here, Pastor, I just can't afford. You'd never be able to afford. That's the whole part of faith. Never be able to afford. Because it's a test. I mean, think about it in the Bible. How many times was Pharaoh, Pharaoh's, heart, Pharaoh's heart tested? We would call those the plagues. Pharaoh's heart was tested, what? Ten times, right? How many times was Israel, according to Numbers chapter 14, how many times was Israel tested in the wilderness? Ten times. How many times was Jacob's wage changed? Ten times. Are, are you, has anybody seen a pattern? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Ten times. How many days was Daniel tested? Ten. How many days of testing are there in Revelation? Ten. How many disciples are there? Somebody said ten. I got them. I got them. <laughs> Somebody over here said twelve. Cheaters. Anyways, uh, paying attention. Yeah, and, and, and this is what I need you to understand. Every time that you get paid, you take a test. It's the way God set it up. And the test is, who are you going to honor and who are you going to worship for what you've been provided with? That's the test. Because God says, I'm going to give you, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to bless you. But then I want you to return to me my part, which is the first 10%. And in doing that, you are honoring me and you are blessing me. And the reason he is upset with uh, the children of Israel is because they haven't been doing that. Israel hasn't been doing that. 
In fact, you can read it in chapter 1. They're bringing God lame sacrifices and blind sacrifices and sick sacrifices. In other words, they're giving him the worst and the leftovers. And God said, no, my part is the first 10%. It is the best. And it's not because God doesn't want to receive the worst. It's because he can't. He's preeminent. He can only receive the best. And he's saying, hey, I've asked you to give me the best, the first 10%, the best lamb, the best ram, right? And you're giving me the leftovers and the worst, and I can't receive those. And, and, And he's saying, you're taking a test and you're failing. And he's saying this, but what you need to understand is this is a twofold test. I'm testing you, but I want you to test me. Now listen, when God says test me, listen. Here's what he says. I'm going to give you what I provide. You give me the first 10%. Your test is who are you going to worship? Who are you going to honor? Who are you going to celebrate and praise with the first 10%? But if you pass that test, you put me to the test. So really, the tithe is not about testing you. It's about testing him. It's the only place, this is the most phenomenal verse in the Bible, in my opinion. Because everywhere else, remember Israel tested him, they ended up in the wilderness 40 years. You don't test God, but there's this one place in Malachi 3 where God says, test me with this. That if you bring me the first 10%, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings there's not room enough to receive. And God is saying, I want you to test me. I want you to see that I'm God, and I want you to see that I can bless you, and I want you to see that I can rebuke the devourer, but it's going to take a little faith. i got to test you, but you get to test me. That word test, by the way, is uh, the same word where it's talking about proving silver or proving gold, proving a precious metal. In other words, God's saying, you test and see that I'm not pure. You test and see that I'm not perfect. You test and see that I'm not the most valuable thing in the universe. You put me to the test. The third thing is this, is that the tithe is is personal to God. It's personal to God. Um, Remember we were reading in Hebrews and we stopped about verse 7. And we were seeing the tithe in Hebrews. I want to read verse 8. I want to read verse 8. But verse 8 says this. It says here, everybody say here. Mortal men, that would be us, (laughs) receive tithes. But there, everybody say there. He, everybody say he, receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Do you understand what this verse is saying? I encourage you to go read read all of Hebrews chapter 7. Well, the whole book of Hebrews, but Hebrews chapter 7 where it's talking about this. But you understand what this is saying to God? God's saying this. Here, you give your tithe and man receives them. But when you tithe here, Jesus receives them there, and it is a testimony or a witness that he is risen. That's what, that's what your Bible says, right? So you have to understand, and, and I'll teach this later, but Jesus was God's tithe. He was the first. He was the best. He was given in faith before anyone said yes to him. And so for God, Jesus was the first tithe, and it was God's tithe. And so for God, it's very personal. And he says, here, you think you're just putting your check into a box, or you're just going online, and you're giving your tithe. Here, you think, in fact, this is my concern with us, if we don't understand the holiness of that moment. Like, I love online giving. Thank God for that. Most of our church gives online. Praise God. I give online. It's easy. Come on, say everybody say, easy. 
People don't even know what checks are anymore. My kids have never seen a check, I don't think. You understand what I'm saying? Like, nobody does that. But I don't want you to lose the holiness and the sacredness that here you're clicking give. But there, Jesus is saying, Dad, they just, they just testified that I'm alive. Are you with me? Jay, Jay and Kayla and Rebecca, can y'all come up here real quick? I want to show you something because I don't want you to forget this when, when it comes to God. And so if y'all hurry, and I promise I won't, I won't, I won't embarrass anybody except Jada. All right? And, um, but it's okay. He knows I love him. So I want you to understand, because I just said, here we give it, but there is testimony that he lives. I want you to watch this. Here's what God does. God's talking with Jesus. He's like, Jesus, you know, I, I, I love it when you're worshiped, and I love it when you're celebrated, and I love it where you're honored. Where you're honored. So I instituted this thing years ago, obviously, uh, uh, the tithe. And, um, and I, I want people to witness that you're alive. Yes, I want them to keep me first in their life. Yes, I want their hearts to be generous. Yes, I want all those things. But, but it's personal to me because you gave your life for them. And when they tithe, it is a celebration and a testimony that you're alive. And so, I, so he goes to, to Rebecca and Kayla and J-Dub and he says, here's the thing, gang. I'm going to give each of you $10,000 a month, right? Don't, it's not real money, Jada. Don't get excited. <laughs> Uh, t- <laughs> it's just an, it's just an analogy. <laughs> um, but he's, okay, I'm going to give you each ten thousand dollars a month, and all I want you to do is I want you to return a thousand, the first thousand dollars, to my storehouse, to my church. And when you do that, you're testifying that my son rose. Okay, everybody understand? Yes. So about three months into it, God talking with Jesus, and He says, "Hey, how's that thing going? You know, how's tithing going?" For, for my kids there. How's, how's it going? And Jesus says, well, um, you know, Rebecca's doing great. She, she gives $1,000 on the first day of every month. Like, it is on the first day of every She is a rule follower, Jesus. Like, she is, like, first day. She, you know, God, she is doing exactly what you said. And God said, well, praise, praise God. I, I, well, I guess he's it. Praise me. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> well, praise me. <laughs> um, <laughs> And he said, well, what about Kayla? Well, Kayla, you know, God, this is kind of crazy, but, you know, Kayla's given $2,000 on the first day of every month. And he said, well, man, that is just awesome. He said, well, what about J-Dub? And Jesus said, well, God, we got to talk about J-Dub. <laughs> we got to talk about that. Because uh, on, the, on the first month, God, he, he gave $800. Okay, well, maybe he's ramping up. No, no, he's not ramping up, God, because the second month he gave $300. Oh, my. Yeah, and last month he didn't give anything. And God says, boy, I really hate that. I really hate that for J-Dub. But he said, this is what I'm going to do then. I'm going to take what I was giving to J-Dub, and I'm going to give it to Kayla and Rebecca because this is personal to me. And I want them to witness that you're alive and to testify that you're alive. And I know some of you say, well, wait a second. I thought God is gracious. Never did God say, I don't like J-Dub. Or I'm against J-Dub. Or I'm going to be mean to J-Dub. But he said, I can't trust him because he failed the test. Thank you, guys. You see, here's the truth. Yeah, you can clap for them. They did a great job. Here's the truth of it, gang. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I love tests. Do you know why I love tests? 
Because that's how you get out of one grade and get into the next. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, in, I'm currently in grad school. I'm doing a master's in just something I've always wanted to do. In theology, obviously. People are like, what are you in? What do you think it's in? Yeah, it's like, it's what I do, man. This is what I like. <laughs> Anyways, but I love it when I turn in my final. By the way, I have a 4.0, just in case you're wondering. Um, but I love it when I, <laughs> that's right, praise the Lord, we can celebrate. Amen. I love it when I turn in my final, and it's usually a paper. It's usually a long paper. It's fine, but it gets long. Because when I turn that in, I, usually I know that I probably did well on it. But I tell you what, when that professor sends me my grade back, and the last paper I sent in, essentially the, the, there's a point scale, but essentially it was a 97 on the point scale. And, uh, and of course, now if you understand me, I was irritated because, in my opinion, it should have been 100. Um, not, not that he was wrong. I made a couple of dumb mistakes. But anyways, um, but, but the point of the matter is, I love it because when that came back, 97, I'm like, oh, going to the next class. See ya. Going to the next one. I love tests. You know why? Because when you pass them, you go to the next level. And the reason I'm doing this whole series is I feel like God is reminding all of us, I want to take you to the next level. I want to increase you and your children and your children's children. I want to bless and multiply you and I want to take you to the next level. But you know what? You can't get there till you pass the test. But I want you to know, I want you to know, I'm not just testing you. I'm inviting you to test me. When he said, has a man robbed God, but you have robbed me. Do you understand when God says robbed what he means? He's not talking about money. He has plenty of it. Here's what he's saying. You robbed me of being able to bless you. I wanted to bless you more. I wanted to increase you more. And, and I gave you a way to remove your finances from the curse and, and to put them in my system where I could open the windows of heaven and rebuke the devourer and restore the blessing. Like, like this is what I want to do. And this is what he's telling his people. What Malachi is saying, look, God wants to do so much. And it's so important to him that God even says, you can test me with this. But he's saying, hey, if you can just pass the test, God's going to take you to a new level. And today, Pathway, that's what I'm telling you. If you can just pass the test, if you can just trust him. I know it's hard. I know it takes courage. But if you can just trust him, God's about to take us all to a new level. Amen. Come on. Can you give Jesus praise today? Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.